Before I get into the message, I happen to spy out a special couple to us that I didn't know were going to be here today. And so just a little shout out to our missionaries, Ty and Paula Stake, who are here in the back. Stakes, would you just stand a moment? You've got your gang kids with you as well. We just want to say thank you and how much we love you. Serving the Lord over in uh, Indonesia. Keep up the good work. Good to have you with us. Did your son graduate? Is that part of this? Graduation? Is he still accepting gifts? <laughs> the stakes are still accepting gifts. Just in case you wanted to meet them after the service, I'm sure they'll linger as long as you want for that. We kicked off our summer series last week, and it's entitled The Walk, and we talked about uh, the walk as a metaphor for the Christian life, and that if we are a Christian, we're all involved in the walk. And I have so looked forward to this weekend's message. When we sat down as a staff and we just were like, okay, what are the topics that would be most helpful to the church, and we began to kind of put this together for the summer, this is the one that... I just like lights were going off and I was like, I can't wait to do this one particular message. Now they're all going to be outstanding. They're all going to be the greatest sermons in the history of the church. There's no doubt about it. But this one to me is, has tremendous potential to be a help. And that's what I want uh, uh, it it to be. And one reason that I'm passionate about it is just simply uh, my story. And many of you know my story, I talk about my, my life uh, at times, and so many of you know that I grew up, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up going to church. I remember quoting John 3.16 in a uh, Christmas, like, little production thing, sitting on my dad's knee. I was three years old. So I have, I have been in the church all of my Life And I grew up in a kind of Christianity that I have much that I am thankful for in my heritage. But if it tended one direction or the other, it tended towards what I would call uh, more of kind of a legalistic, somewhat performance-based approach to what it means to be a Christian. And in the kinds of churches that I grew up in, one of the things that we were taught is that uh, Christians were to have daily devotions. And that's what they were called, daily devotions. Good Christians have daily devotions. And I wanted to be a good Christian. So even as a boy, I was trying my best to have my daily uh, devotions. And I struggled with, from that kind of approach, I struggled with a sense in my heart that Uh, essentially was this, that when I had my daily devotions and I walked out the door that day, I walked out in the favor of God. I went to school with a confidence I was going to ace the test. Why? Because I had my daily devotions. And when I went in the locker room, the upperclassmen were not going to beat me up. Why? Because I had my daily devotions devotions. When I had daily devotions, I knew that God was for me. I knew that God liked me. I knew that, that, that I was good with God because I had had my daily devotions. On the other hand, on the days when I didn't have my daily devotions, I walked out the door with fear and trembling because now I am not in the favor of God. Now I walked out the door somewhat anticipating that everything was going to go badly and that uh, I was not going to ace the test. And when I got to the locker room, those upperclassmen were going to be like the Old Testament Assyrians, marauders from the hand of God to punish me and to remind me that I needed to have my daily devotions. When I didn't have my daily devotions, I wasn't in the favor of God. I wasn't even sure I was saved. So this was a, uh, a problem. And, and honestly, in my heart of hearts, it's still something I have to kind of look out for because of what I think is a misunderstanding of the grace of God and the way that he works in our life. And I would imagine that I might be talking to some people who are somewhat familiar with a performance-based sanctification. And I 
am passionate for this subject because I think that there are, uh, there are, that, that many Christians, let me just say this, that many Christians deal with a kind of devotional anxiety where they wonder if they have had it, had devotions enough and whether they did it right or wrong. Was it long enough? Did I read enough of the Bible to sort of know in my heart that I'm good with God? So I can check it off my list. Okay, I walk out the door and now everything is good with God. I think there are many Christians like that. At the same time, there are many Christians who um, have no anxiety at all about it. And I think that they should. Because for them, they don't crack the Bible at all during the week. They walk into their day. There are few, if any, thoughts of God at all. They live their life somewhat divorced from the faith that they sing about and, and proclaim on Sunday. So you have some Christians who have anxiety about this, and I think they shouldn't. And you have many Christians who have no anxiety about it, and I think that they should. And then I think there's a third category of Christians, and these are just sincere Christians who honestly would like to have a kind of fellowship with God during the week, but they don't know how. They've not had anybody, they've not had a mentor in their life who has, you know, taught them a little bit. They've never, they've never, they've never been to a service where there was a message on it. And look, here you are. Because this is where we're going in this message is to talk about how to, um, how to have a, a daily walk with God. And so I've had a special anticipation over this message, and I want you to know something. This is not a message. This whole summer is not a, the point of the summer is not to pick su- subjects that we think we can make you feel real guilty about. The point is to help and to equip. And this is not a message at all intended to uh, lay down a guilt trip or by any means lay down some legalistic standard. Not at all. I'm here up here talking because I want to do what I can to maybe spur uh, a more real daily walk for all the people in our church. And I want to hasten to add something else. I in no means feel like I have this figured out. So don't think that because I'm sharing these things that I think because I don't. In fact, preparing this message has challenged me to do some things that that I that I think I can do better. Uh, So some of what I'm going to share is out of my own experience. Some is things that I uh, want to improve in. Okay, so just bear that in mind. All right, I want to begin with the big thing. I'm just going to get it out here right at the start. I'm going to say this is, this is the big thing. Of all the things that I'm going to say, I think this is the most important and it is the most helpful. And if you will embrace what I'm about to say, think about it, and maybe apply it in your life, I think it could have the most transformational change in terms of your daily walk with God. Here it is. We have to realize that every day is a fight It is a spiritual inward struggle to center my life once again on God and to get my heart happy in him. Now, I could tell you when this dawned on me that this was true. It was in my I I just I can remember listening. I was I was at my old house. I was in my bedroom. I was laying on my bed. I was listening to a sermon by John Piper and this is, what, uh, this is what Pastor Piper said. He said, he goes, you know what, folks? He says, when I wake up in the morning, I wake up and Satan is sitting on my face. Now, that's a vivid illustration, isn't it? And you thought it was morning breath. No. <laughs> that is Satan sitting on your face. You can say that to your spouse in the morning. I smell Satan all over you right now. (laughs) But he went on to say this. Satan is sitting on my face. And I have to battle him because my pride and my selfishness in nature is always wanting to bend things away from a heart for God. 
And it just kind of dawned on me in that moment. Part of it is because I hold him and I respect him. And I'm like, man, if John Piper's got Satan sitting on his face in the morning, how much more do I have, you know, one of the bad fellows sitting on my face when I wake up in the morning? But it spurred the thought in me. And this is the thought. This is the the main thing that I want to say to you about how to have a daily walk is to realize that this is the struggle and that. We don't need to be Pollyannish about this. We can be honest that our spiritual affections and our desires and our sort of passion for God is constantly being pulled away from a Godward passion towards self and towards the things of this world and to live, to live as if there is no God and all the rest. Now you say, well, I don't know about that. It's in the Bible. Let me show you where. Romans 7, Paul describes the struggle that he felt inwardly between what he wanted to be true in his life and what he constantly found to be true in his life. Here's what he says. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh... For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And if you have been a Christian for any amount of time, then you know this is the case. Like here you are at church. We've sung songs. We've had communion. You know, we're feeling good. We're kind of Godward in our perspective. We're excited about uh, the Lord to some degree, I trust. And and, uh, you'll go home. You'll be feeling good. You'll be thinking about God. Maybe tonight you go to your small group and you're with other people and you're talking about the Lord and you're fellowshipping together and you go home and you go to bed and you're kind of feeling good about God. What is true when you wake up? Right? It's just like, and in that moment I said, hey, are you all happy about in Jesus right now? You'd be like, I don't know, bother me, you know, what? This is what, here's, here's, here are my affections for the Lord. If you could chart Pastor Steve, they go like this. Constantly, frustratingly, go like this. Ask any pastor, the worst day of the week, Monday. <laughs> Today we're the spiritual champions. Monday morning we wake up, you know. That's why whoever wrote the song, Every Day with Jesus is Sweeter Than the Day Before, ought to be disciplined out of the church because (laughs) that is not reality for anybody that I know. And this is why what we're talking about is so important because we have this constant drag because of our sin nature and indwelling sin away from hearts that are passionate for God. And the way that we battle this is we have to, on a regular basis, I'm going to suggest on a daily basis, do battle with that drag by stoking the fire of joy and happiness in God. We have to get our hearts happy in God. Or when I walk out the door and and I'm flatlined spiritually and I walk out the door into a world filled with trials and temptations of all the kinds that we face in this place, I am toast. If I am not, if my joy is not in God, I am not going to last very long. And this is why this is an important subject. I think a good analogy is a campfire. If you've ever had a campfire, you sit around the campfire, you're roasting your marshmallows, you're having a great time, the fire's big, people are laughing, the whole thing, everyone goes home or you go to sleep, you wake up in the morning, what's true about the campfire? There's no fire. They're a little ember. There's still fire there, but they've, they've ebbed to a, they, they're, they're, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not so much there, right? That is our spiritual hearts. That's the way that it goes. And it will until we get our glorified body and don't have this in nature anymore. And so we have to, and this is why I'm saying this is the big thing. Time with God on a daily basis, is the goal is not for me to say, I'm good with God because I have spent this time, I've done, I've done my reading, I prayed a little bit. The goal in that is for my heart to be stirred towards the Lord. 
And until that happens, I'm wasting my time. And the daily walk is the challenge of keeping that fire going. I need to get happy with God every day. Now, I came across a, a, a quote from a famous Christian, George Mueller. Maybe, maybe you've heard of George Mueller, famous for his prayers, his orphanage, and uh, a great and godly man. And uh, go ahead and put that quote up. Um, and I purposely included the photo because I just wanted to uh, point out to you that when it comes to hairstyles, that uh, there's nothing new with Pastor Dustin. I just wanted you to see that. <laughs> Listen to what, good, stop looking at his hair. Listen to what, listen to what George Mueller uh, wrote. It has pleased the Lord to teach me a truth, the benefit of which I have not lost for more than 14 years. The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. I might seek to benefit believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed. I might in other ways seek to behave myself as it becomes a child of God in this world. And yet, not being happy in the Lord and not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day, all this might not be attended to in a right spirit. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditation on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, And that thus, by means of the word of God, while meditating on it, my heart might be brought into an experiential communion with the Lord. How different when the soul is refreshed and made happy early in the morning from what it is when without spiritual preparation, the service, the trials, and the temptations of the day come upon one. Notice what he says. I came to discover that the first thing I needed to do was to get my soul happy in the Lord. And so I I just, if, if, if we can reorient our thinking about this away from some kind of a, I need to do this so that I have the favor of God. I need to do this so I can look in the mirror and think that I've done my spiritual duty. And to get more to the perspective that I, I want to commune with the Lord. I want to fellowship with the Lord. I want to meet with God. And I want, in the doing of that, I want my flat-lined spiritual affections to be stirred up and to get a little happy and to remind myself of what I believe. And that's the goal. And until I get there, you know, all my checklists and, 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 and all my little rituals that I do aren't doing anything for me. So do you get what I'm saying? It's not about that. It is about soulish joy in the Lord and to seek that on a daily basis. You with me? All right. Now, as I've said, I want this message to be just intensely pra- practical and I think that you're going to find it to be. How do we keep the fire going? How do we keep that campfire of the soul alive? And there are many th- means by which God has given us to keep that, to stir up those affections. I'm going to just focus on three. And there are more you could put. But I think these are the big three. Number one, Bible reading, understanding, and application. Number two, singing and worship. Number three, prayer and meditation. Now, I want to read some scriptures that relate to each of these. So just follow along if you would. 
2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Does the word of God have a key role to play in our sanctification? Absolutely. Jesus says in John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So there we have the word of God. How about that whole singing thing that you saw up there? And some of you are going, what? Okay, just hang with me here. Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Here's the daily walk, the daily communing with God. 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. You might say, well, okay, that's very good. And I like that sort of Satan on your face from John Piper. Uh, but, and I, I like that Paul says in Romans 7 that he struggled. But, I mean, do we really, I mean, do we really need to do this kind of thing? Look at Mark 1. This is regarding Christ. And rising very early in the morning, very early in the morning, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Apparently the son of God needed time to commune with his heavenly father. And if he needed that, how much more folks like us see. And then first uh, Timothy four, seven, train yourself for godliness. And that could be a whole message right there about the role of discipline in this, And if I could just say a very, very brief comment on this, I can, I can be up here saying all of these things like a coach, but until the players apply discipline and do it, it's not going to be of any value. And so I'm glad that you're here, but as we talk about this, unless your heart really desires to commune with the Lord, and you have a wee little bit of self-responsibility to apply here, it's not going to benefit you. And I want it to benefit you. We're doing this because we want to help you. We want you to see that, and what I'm going to share with you, there's nobody here who can't do what I'm talking about today, okay? This isn't rocket science, but it does require a little training yourself for godliness. It requires some effort on your part. I hope you're prepared for that. Okay, so remember the goal. The goal is to check the list off, right? Wrong. I'm glad you're with me. The goal is to commune with God and to stir my affections for him on a daily basis. How do we do this? And I, I, I listed these three, and I just want to spend a little bit of time on each of them with some practical suggestions. First of all, let's talk about about. Uh, spending time in God's word about reading the Bible. I would encourage you to read your Bible nearly every day. Now I say nearly because if I said you need to read your Bible every day, guess what? We all go home and we feel guilty now. Now I have to do it. You don't have to do it. I'm unaware of any verse in the Bible that says read me every day. I don't think it says that in there anywhere. Nor does the, the, the Bible say feed your body every day. But we got no problem recognizing that there is a need when I am not feeding my body. My body, my body begins to get an appetite, especially at third service. And I begin to feel inside that, you know, it's, it, it, my body begins to tell me that it's hungry and will actually sometimes make audible noises to indicate that the time to eat has come. And spiritually, the same thing ought to be the case. Do you need to read your Bible every day? I wouldn't say you have to read your Bible every day, nor would I say that you have to feed your body, your body every day. But if you go very long without feeding your body, you're going to get hungry. And if you have no appetite at all after a couple of days, then, man, you're sick. Go to the doctor. There's something wrong. And yet, when it comes to spiritually speaking, I think there are way too many Christians who are uh, sick, if I could say it that way, and don't recognize the need to feed the soul. And, and I would just point to the lost and found of any church. 
as evidence the stacks of Bibles that are there of how many Christians somehow can go days and days, even weeks, without their Bible and not even realize it. This ought not to be the case. Ought not to be the case. Feed your soul. That's what God's word is. It is, it is nourishment for the soul. There is a dynamic that happens when we read the word of God because it is inspired. That God, you know, when I'm, when I am, when I am reading it, what God is actually doing is He is feeding my, my soul and it goes down into my heart and it brings about change. And part of what changes when we're reading the Bible is that I begin to feel some spiritual stirrings that if I don't read the Bible, I don't get. Now, some suggestions on Bible reading. First of all, I would suggest that you seek quality more than quantity. Quality more than quantity. One verse carefully considered is way more helpful than five chapters that when you're done with it, you don't have any idea what you just got done reading. I wonder, you know, people would be like, "Mm, look at me, I have read five chapters in the Bible. God must be impressed with me. They talk to their friends, well, I read Psalms today. Oh, really, what one? All of them. (laughs) And if I went to that person and said, oh, really, well, tell me, what, what, uh, what did you get out of it? What's, tell me something that you are just living on today, a truth that you read today that you're just, you're just chewing on today. Uh, I don't know. Well, what good is all of that reading if it's not, you're, there's, you're like the man who looks in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like, James says. The goal is not to impress others, you or God, with how much you have read. The goal is to stir the affections. And that could be a clause in one verse. It could be one chapter. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as the goal is right, and I think quality more than quantity, sometimes breadth reading is good too, but remember the goal. Next thing I want to suggest to you is as you read, ask three questions. And I'm just kind of synthesizing this down to the most basic. I want everybody to be able to remember this. When I'm reading in my time with the Lord, ask, number one, what do I learn about God? Number two, What do I learn about me? Number three, how should I apply in my life what I've read? Okay, let's read those together. Number one. Number two. And number three. Okay. And you just kind of keep those in the back of your mind as you're reading and you're just kind of mining for those truths because the Bible tells us about God, it tells us about us, and it gives us guidance for life and redemption and salvation and all the rest. That's how we apply it to our life. And in a moment, I'm going to do a sample devotions with you and try to show you a little bit how to do that. Now, just to comment on journaling, because if I don't comment on journaling, the journaling Nazis in the church will rush up to me afterwards and say, you should have told them about journaling. So just a comment or two about journaling. You say, what's journaling? Journaling is just basically writing. Okay, it's writing as you read and as you pray and as you have this time. And I'm a fan of journaling. I've done journaling in the past. I've not done as much lately, but I would encourage you to consider journaling. We remember much more what we write than what we just simply hear or read. And journaling is a great way to do it. So, for example, if you're reading through Proverbs 1, just a simple approach. Write the date, Proverbs 1. And as you read, certain maybe verses are going to kind of pop out to you. Maybe just write those verses down there. Okay? And then you can ask the question, what do I learn about God here? What do I learn about me? How can I apply this to my life? Maybe make a few comments about some things in that day, how you hope to apply that. Maybe pick a verse that's going to be kind of your takeaway verse. Maybe write that on a piece of paper, a little business card. I've done that in the past, a little tearaway. You can buy blank tearaway business cards. Write that, put it in your pocket. Maybe put a prayer request on it. And every all day as you put your hands in your pocket, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe you couldn't see because of the podium. Oh, Yeah. I told you this was going to be practical. Uh, 
Whatever it is that you do to take something away from it so that you are meditating it on it during the, during the day. Now, what should you read? What should you read? Well, here, here's the thing. All of this is inspired by God. All of it is profitable, the text says. So that means that you can go just about anywhere. I mean, you could just kind of do this. Send me also cedar, cypress, and algum timber from Lebanon. First service, actually, something funny happened. I did that same thing, and I opened, and it said, and Solomon purchased uh, horses and chariots. And I had somebody come up to me after, after first service, and they were flipping out because, I guess, earlier today, somebody gave them a piece of paper, and it said for sale, and it was a horse and buggy. And they were like... <laughs> it's a sign from God, you know. Don't do that. We're going to talk about how to make decisions and know God's will in two weeks. This is not a good way to do it. Although great saints in the past have done it that way, I think it's, they're misled in that. Uh, I could give you some examples since you seem interested, but this message is already too long, so I need to move on. So what should you read? You could read anything. I would encourage you, though, to have some kind of little plan that you're working, maybe like a one-month-out kind of thing, so that you're thinking, okay, this week I'm going to be reading, or the next two weeks I'm going to be reading in the Minor Prophets. And so you read Micah, and then you read Nahum, spend a couple of days in Habakkuk, all right? And then maybe you mix it up and you go to the New Testament. You say, I haven't, I haven't, read, uh, you know, I haven't read Acts in a long time. I'd like to r- remind myself of how the church started. And you read through Acts, it's quite long. It might take you a month just doing Acts. But moving around, variety is good. How about this? I do this occasionally. I'll read the same book every day for like a week or two. And you say the same book every day for a week or two? Try it. And here's what I find. Every time I read it, I get something different. I get something new. And that's, that's the nature. That's why this is different than your newspaper. This is different than your Clancy novel that you like. This is different than any other book in the entire world. This is the breathed out word of God. And every time it speaks, it speaks relevantly. So we could, we could do 1 Corinthians all over again. You're like, I hope not. Uh, And God would have a whole new fresh set of things that he would go to teach us. And that's why we can spend our whole life studying the word of God and not plumb its depths. So move it around, mix it up, don't get in a rut. I would also encourage you to have some kind of a study help. Because there's a lot in the Bible that can be a little confusing. And we live in a day where there's all kinds of resources. So maybe buy a one-volume commentary on the Bible. We have, I think, a few in in the bookstore. Another very helpful thing that is available these days are study Bibles. And there are many very good study Bibles. This is one that we kind of promote. The ESV study Bible is, is excellent. And I would, if you can get it on Kindle, if you've got a reader like that, it's much better because this weighs like 25 pounds. And, uh, but anyway, have a study Bible. When you come across something you don't really quite get or you're sort of curious about, you can look over and look at the notes. Now, here's the danger in a study Bible. The Bible is inspired. The notes are not. And too often, these can become crutches for us. And I would encourage you not to actually do your reading out of the study Bible because you'll be tempted all the time to go, oh, I wonder what that's about. I wonder what that's about. And all the time looking to whoever it was that wrote the study notes in this. And we want to come to the word of God and we want the spirit to do his illuminating work in our life. And these can become crutches. So if you find yourself going to your devotional spot like this, it means your study Bible's become a crutch and you don't want that. All right. Um, Devotional readings are helpful. And we have a resource table uh, this weekend in the commons that has all kinds of helpful things, study Bibles and some other things. Check it out. There's lots there. Okay, so how do I, first of all, uh, get this affection stirred? I am seeking nearly daily to be, spend some time in the Word of God with a focus on 
quality more than quantity, desiring to hear God speak to me. Here's the second thing, is singing. Okay, singing. Now hang with me because some of you right now are going, I'm not a singer, okay? That doesn't matter. Hang with me here for a moment. I am passionate about the blessing that singing can be in your daily walk with God. And part of the reason for that is what I was sharing earlier is the reality that I feel in my own heart when I wake up in the morning or when I'm having just sort of a drudgery day where my spiritual affections are like, right, flat line. You know, am I all the time going to the Bible going, yay, I get to read the Bible now? No. Or prayer, I get to go pray now. No, I'm not. But one thing that I find almost always gets my heart there is when I spend a little bit of time singing some Godward song to the Lord. And it does something inside of me. It, it just does. And I find that from that then now my prayers and my time in the word uh, have a genuineness about it. Now, some of you are going, well, I'm not a singer. I'm not talking about your family hearing you doing Josh Groban on the Hallelujah Chorus or something, you know. And the, what's that sound in the basement? It's dad singing the Hallelujah Chorus, you know. Oh, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about simple kind of song that just gets your mind and heart saying things in worship to God. Now, I have a list here. Here's my, my list. I took a couple of suggestions as well in that. Songs that do it for me. Your song list can be different. It, it doesn't really matter. I find it helpful if, and if you, if you sing them often, you memor, you, they become, you know, you can sing them by memory. And that's helpful. If you don't have the lyric, you can print any of these off on the internet and have them. But why sing? Singing is the overflow of joy in God, and I find it gets me there. It gets me there. So, can I just, challenge you to try it. Just try it. And if it does spiritual damage in your life, would you please come and talk to me? (laughs) Otherwise, I don't want to hear from you. And I doubt that it's going to do damage. I think you'll be surprised. At first, you'll be like, okay, that's a little weird. But as you do it, it'll become a part of your expression to the Lord. Third, Okay, so we have Bible. And by the way, I'm suggesting this as, as a kind of order, maybe, to what you do with the Lord, to begin in the Word, a little bit of song, and now time in prayer, prayer and meditation. Let's talk about this. And this is not a message on how to pray. We got messages on how to pray. This is a message on how to use prayer to stoke those desires in you. And I have some suggestions here as well. Here's the first one, is prayer walking. Okay, prayer walking. Now, unless I'm weird, I find that if I sit in a chair and close my eyes anytime after, say, 7 o'clock, and I'm going to pray, I will look like I am praying, but I'm not praying. And I find that when I'm sitting my mind wanders and I just sort of get, it, I, I just, it's hard for me to sit and pray for any amount of time. I mean, anybody can do it for a minute or two, but if I'm going to spend any kind of time in prayer, I just, I just can't do it sitting. And I remember when I was in college, my mentor, Kimber Kaufman, introduced me to prayer walking. He would go on these prayer walks. I said, where were you? I was out prayer walking. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of that. What is that? Well, one day he invited me to go. And so we started walking out of his neighborhood and I was like, okay, so what's, what's this involved? And he says, well, we walk and uh, we pray out loud and we keep our eyes open, which is a good idea if you're walking. <laughs> so at first it seemed awkward to me to pray with my eyes open and a little awkward, in fact, to kind of pray out loud like that. But I have found over time it is a tremendous help to me. I just find I'm walking, blood is flowing to my brain. It kind of keeps me engaged in it. 
And when I'm talking out loud, it keeps my mind from just sort of wandering off. You know what I'm talking about? When you go to have time with God, it's amazing the things that you think about suddenly that need to be taken care of right away the moment that you go to open your Bible or to spend time with God. And when you prayer walk, I find it keeps me focused on what I am there for. And what I'm there for is to commune with the Lord. My second, so give that a try, okay? Give that a try. In the wintertime, I walk around my house, basement or wherever, just, and I walk circles. I would suggest finding a place, by the way, where there's nothing that interesting to look at. Because if you're walking, you know, if you're walking to a place where there's beautiful landscaping, you're like, and dear God, and you go, boy, those are, where did they buy those lilies at? I... So find some place that you're private and where you can, you're not, there's nothing that much to think about. I find to be most helpful. All right. Second suggestion is this. First is prayer walking. The second is what I'm calling prayer not talking. Wait a second. How can it be prayer if you're not talking? We all know that prayer is talking. You talk to God in prayer. Yes, it is that. But that is not all that it is. In fact, one of the mistakes I think that we make is that we talk too much in prayer. And we fail to realize that when I am, when I am before the Lord in Jesus' name, when I have, as his child, when I have engaged my heart and mind in a, in a, in a seeking of him, I'm drawing near to him, that there is a role that my words have to play in that. But a lot of this is also listening. Okay, listening. I have never heard the voice of God audibly, but as I am walking and praising and praying and listening, I am consciously thinking about God, perhaps from something I read in my Bible reading a few minutes before, and I'm turning that thought over before the Lord. And as I do that, I am engaging in something that stirs my affections for him. And that's the goal, remember. I would call this meditation. Meditation is thinking about God or thinking about life from God's perspective. And it is a part of prayer. Now hang with me on this. When I am turning these thoughts over before the Lord in my mind, and I, and I am praying... I'm praying over my day. I'm praying over my appointments. I'm praying over people in my life. I'm praying over uh, relationships and burdens and all the rest. Some of that is a matter of talking, and some of that is a matter of meditating and thinking about that struggling relationship from something I read in my Bible reading. Thinking about the trial that I'm facing from the perspective of the fact that God is faithful and he loves me. And this is a part of prayer. That's why, you know, some people say, you ought to pray for 30 minutes every day. Most of us can't talk for three minutes, much less 30 minutes. And if that's kind of the requirement of prayer, then we're going to miss out on this whole aspect. I remember years ago, I decided that I was going to go and I was going to spend a day in prayer. And I had a friend who had a cabin out in the woods, and so I planned the whole thing, and I, I got out there. I think I spent the night and then began the next morning in this, early in the morning, had a quick breakfast, 7 o'clock, I'm going to have a whole day with God. I prayed about everything I could think about. I mean, I prayed for the missionaries. I prayed for my family. I, I read scripture. I prayed through this, that, and the other. I did everything I could possibly think about. I looked at my watch. It was like one hour. <laughs> like, what am I going to do all day? How do you pray all day? And this is a part of what it, I think is oftentimes missing. Again, prayer is talking and prayer is not talking. It's both. It, we want to commune with the Lord. We want to fellowship with him. And we want to open our hearts to him and allow his, to think his thoughts after him. Which is what I think the Bible means when it says a renewed mind. I have a renewed mind when I'm thinking about the categories of my life from his perspective. And that's something that we can do in prayer. And so I will walk, I'll talk, I'll not talk, I'll think about my day, I'll pray about my day, I'll think about trials, troubles. It's amazing to me how many problems in my life are solved 
in those moments. It just kind of comes to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. Now, what is that? I think that's illumination by the Holy Spirit as he applies the word to the things in my life. And God wants to do that in your life. It's a part of the daily walk. Okay. Now, I have some suggested scriptures that you should memorize. Okay. And I'm going to say this. I think you should memorize these verses. I use these verses in prayer all the time. And it's good just to have them down so you can just quote them in prayer. Here's a few. You may not know this reference, but you probably know the verse, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my mind. See if there be any wicked way in me that keeps me from following you. I pray that all the time in my times of confession. I go before the Lord and I just say, it's basically in my mind, I think I'm just kind of like opening my heart. Is there anything here, Lord, that I'm holding to, that I've not repented of, that I'm, you know, hiding? Do I feel the need to hide anything from you right now? It's a great verse. The Lord's Prayer is incredibly helpful to use in times of prayer. To go before the Lord and just say, My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You want to talk about starting the day off right? How's that for one? Remind me that you alone are the one to live for. Hallowed, holy be your name. And all the rest. Galatians 5, that list of fruit of the Spirit, I find really helpful when I want to do an inventory of my life. To go before the Lord again in prayer and say, uh, Spirit, I want you to bear fruit in my life today. And to maybe think, how am I doing with love, joy, peace, patience? I skipped that one. Uh, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And just kind of meditate on those and examine my life and invite the Spirit to bear that fruit in my life. Really helpful. First John 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins and faithful, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To get to the end of the confession time in prayer and to say, God, I, you've said that when I confess it, that you wash me clean, and I'm claiming that right now by faith. It's a great verse to have down. And there are others, but I would start with those. Okay, Just flat memorize them and then start using them in your prayers. Very helpful. I've also been blessed by the reading of prayers. Sometimes we think the only prayers that matter are the ones that we come up with like extemporaneously. Otherwise, it's not really from our hearts. Okay, get rid of that thinking. I would recommend uh, reading of quality prayers. And this is the best help that I know of. The Valley of Vision is a wonderful prayer guide written by Puritans. And uh, if if any of you think you're really good at praying, just get one of these. And we realize we're all in kindergarten. These are incredible prayers. I have this on my nightstand um, next to my bed. And especially Saturday nights, my, my, my routine is Saturday nights. I will pray. I'll read one of these. And as you read it, you're, kind of, you're praying it. You're kind of saying amen in your heart to what you see here. It's a great way to go to sleep. It's better than Tylenol PM. Valley <laughs> of vision. All right. Here's what I want to do now is... I just want to, ha- I want to have devotions with you. I want to give you just a sample. Again, because I think many people, many of us maybe just have never had any kind of model. And I'm not saying this is the greatest model or anything, but at least it'll give some paradigm maybe for, for you in your time with the Lord. Let's just review. We're stoking the fire. We're not checking off the list. We are using the means that God has given to stoke the fire, primarily Bible, singing, and prayer and meditation. And the goal at the end of all of this is not to how much I've done, but how much now I am loving the Lord, stoking the campfire. You with me? That's basically the message. I just summarized it right there. Okay, so we have the chair over here. And again, I'm going to do this quick. I need to do it a little quicker. here, but um, we've got this set up so that you can see what um, I'm looking at here. And I just picked 1 John 2 because we referred to this passage last week. So let's say that the reading is 1 John 2, 1 through 6. And again, I'm coming to the text. I, I have three basic questions. What does it tell me about God? What does it tell me about me? What is there to apply to my life? So I would begin by obviously reading it. 
My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So right away, something pops to me. We have a purpose statement of why he's doing it. So that, and what's the goal? May not sin. So this is an ethical section of scripture. And maybe I'm thinking to myself, you know, but I do sin. So what does that mean? Well, the next verse, but if anyone does sin, okay, well, (laughs) that's me. We have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Again, what do I learn about God? And I see here now a little Trinitarian reference. We have God the Father, and we have uh, Jesus Christ. So I see that pairing. He is the propitiation for our sins. And maybe I would read propitiation. That might be a nice time to grab my study Bible and go, that's a big word. I'm not sure exactly what that means. And to look then and see what it has to say about propitiation. Satisfaction of wrath. And to maybe think about what that means a little bit, to be glad about that. Maybe there's some cross-references. I could go to Hebrews or some other thing like that, just kind of check it out a little bit. And begin thinking, well, propitiation, that's a really cool, that's a cool word. And not for our sins but only, but also for the sins of the world. And right there we see, I see great commission. I see that God has got big plans, the scope of his ministry. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. And I would jump on that word, if. If is an important Bible word. Okay, so there's a condition here of assurance if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. So maybe I would go, okay, wait a second. I see repetition, keep his commandments, keep his commandments. And that word liar would jump out to me in a devotional time because the last thing I want to be found to be is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But, transition, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And there's a key word. Maybe you think about what does that mean. Maybe I'd look that up. What does it mean to have his love perfected? By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And there now I have a model of comparison. He being Christ, my call is to walk in the same way that he walked. And so there'd be different ways to approach devotionally this. Maybe read it a couple times. It's only six verses, so you could read it in a minute. Read it a couple times. Different things start popping at, at you, like I could look at this and, you know, what do I learn about God? I, I see reference to father and son. Um, I also see that he is a God of forgiveness, that there's forgiveness available. In fact, maybe I would approach it, you could even kind of look at it from uh, the, the titles that you see here. We have advocate, righteous, and propitiation. So maybe I would, you know, Advocate, righteous, and propitiation. And as a golfer, I would maybe rearrange that to this. That is a profound insight, is it not? But it's funny how little things like that can help you, because then I go into the day and I just maybe am thinking about those three titles of Christ, and it kind of mull that over. That's how you enrich your, it just kind of, it it just gets in there, fertilizes, that kind of thing. So what do I learn about God? What do I learn about me? How should I apply this to my life? So I've done my reading, and what I would do next is to, um, this is now when I start walking. Um, So I'm going to do that now, and here's the thing, I want to I want us to actually commune with God here. I don't want, this is not a skit. Um, I want us to commune with the Lord. So I'm going to ask, would you stand with me? And can we just kind of have a time with the Lord together? So I'm going to pray and I invite you to pray with me and I'll prompt a few things here. But I would begin by 
just saying, good morning, God, I'm, I'm here. I want to meet with you today. I thank you for Jesus who is my Savior, and I reaffirm today that my hope is in him and in nobody else. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Spirit, I come to you as well today, and I worship you, and I invite you into my life. I pray that you would fill me today. I'm profoundly thankful that I can pray to you in Jesus' name and to know that you care, that you care for me. And maybe I would sing a song, so let's do that together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Father, I come to you now and I want to open my heart to you. And I say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my mind. See if there is any wicked way in me. And can we do that together now, just a time of confession? And again, in this moment, I search my heart to see if there's anything that I instinctively want to hide from God, something I want to hold on to. That's the very place to go in confession. and think about categories that I know I have to be mindful of, which for me are pride, lust, and greed. You might think about categories that are struggles for you and just search your heart and see if there are examples of that that you've not confessed to the Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Claim 1 John 1, 9. And then I move into a time of just prayers and where I pray over my day. And so, Lord, I pray over this moment right now, and I pray over this service, and I ask that, that you would use this to facilitate communion with you. I pray that it would begin in my own life. Forgive me for any thoughts I have here to be admired for this. My heart pulls me towards that. I don't want that. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that walks daily with you and brings you into the categories of our life. I pray that that would be the fruit of this. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that we would be a New Testament church that is pleasing to you. Spirit, I pray that you would fill this place and that you would sanctify us and that we would love one another and that we would love the community and that we would love you more than anything. Keep us from idols. Keep us from thinking that this world is where it's at. And I pray that we might please you as we pursue you. And maybe in this kind of prayer, I would begin to think about the passage that I just read and to incorporate that into my prayer and to say, Lord, I pray that we would be kept from being a lying church because our lives and our confession are so divergent. I pray, Lord, that we would keep your commands. And when we don't, Lord, that we would confess and make it right. Make us a holy church and a pure church. And in every case that we're not, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, by whose grace alone we stand. And Lord, I want to thank you today that uh, for my sister Terry, such a joy in my heart today, in these past months, to have three children offered to her to adopt, and in each case to have those pulled away but yesterday to announce that they have a new boy, Jacob Christian. What a joy to my family and in my heart. Lord, I thank you for that. 
I praise you. I pray, Lord, that uh, the rest of this day as I am with people and I'm having lunch with Dexter and I'm hanging out with Chad and I'm going to be with a group of people this afternoon, Lord, I pray that my attitudes would be right and that you would be pleased. And then I would perhaps conclude with a final sort of amen song. And this is going to conclude not only this prayer, but also this message and this service. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.